0: Thanks for joining us for the bread of life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. The joy of the disciples when the Lord Jesus appeared resurrected in the upper room cannot be appreciated fully by any of us today. They witnessed as the Lord Jesus, the very image of their hope of eternal life, suffered and died. And with his death, so died all their hopes. So when he came among them alive from the dead, oh, the joy and contrast was unimaginable. We can't begin to appreciate what they were feeling. Or maybe we can. If we'll look hard into death as they did, maybe then we can rejoice in the promise of resurrection. The passage that we read in Luke is such a wonderful passage. It's it's almost understated, but if you allow your imagination, you can see the scene. The Lord Jesus comes among them, and the first thing He does is just give a greeting to them. Peace be with you. They're afraid. They're stunned. They think maybe they're seeing a ghost. Gentlemen, boys, you're not seeing a ghost. It's really who you think it is. Come and see. Look at my wounds. He says, look at my hands and my feet. What's he calling to? Look at the wounds in my hand. Look at the wounds in my feet. Come touch me and see that I'm not a ghost. I'm real. I have flesh and bone. And then as they're still marveling and joy is beginning to come into them and the blood of that new hope is arising within them, his next words are simply, do you have anything to eat? Actually, I think they're the most wonderful words of the whole story of his resurrection. You can read all of them. He's not here. He's risen from the dead. He's going before you. I like thee. Do you have something to eat? I'm alive. They bring him a piece of broiled fish. They watch him eat it. Never has anyone watched so studiously a person eat than these men watch Christ eat that piece of broiled fish. Every piece and morsel of it. I think he took his time. They watched him chew it every bite. They watched him as he swallowed it. When he was done, he wiped his mouth. Then he said, Men, this is what I was talking to you about all along. This is a fulfillment of all that the prophets had proclaimed. This is a fulfillment of all that the Psalms have pronounced. That I should suffer and die. And on the third day rise again from the grave. And that you should pronounce a message of repentance and forgiveness of sins in my name. There you have it, boys. Oh, the joy. The joy that just just became pulsating in that room and flooding back to them. The life that they felt and oh, the wonder that they felt in that moment that carried them forward from that day. You can't imagine it. We can't imagine it, but if we are going to imagine the glad joy that those disciples experienced at that moment, we're going to have to go where they went. We're going to have to confront in the death of Jesus Christ our own death. We're going to have to face for the moment the death of our dream of eternal life, and I know it's there within you. So if you would give me a permission for the moment, to bear you forward into a future where you have to consider what maybe you've tried to avoid considering and face your own death, as morbid as it may seem, I think it's important. And we'll only take a moment here because this moment will not be a look of faith. It's a look into the darkness of unbelief, but that's what they were experiencing. That's what had come upon them, and that's why they were hiding, and that's at the point at which Christ made Himself known, and so... We're going to have to go there as well for a moment. To take you there, I just want you to consider something that I believe is true of all of us. I'd like to tap into a desire that all of us have. I want you to see that this desire is more than a wish, but that it is an innate longing that springs up from deep within you, and then I want you to see Christ answer for it. The desire is this. We all desire to be remembered. We all desire to be remembered. I found this quote just the other day the night of his death Socrates was asked how it would be that they wanted his body to be buried you might remember that he was forced to drink poison to put him to death and then they walked him around as the poison was taking and seizing his body until it came up through his limbs and he died as they were walking around they asked him how he would like to be buried and his response was in any way you like only you must get hold of me and take care that I do not walk away from you. He wishes to be remembered and tenaciously held onto in their thoughts. Nothing threatens to wipe out the memories of ourselves more than does the grave and the time that will keep rolling along after we have long been gone. And Job wished to be remembered by God beyond the grave. In Job 14:13, Job says, Oh to God, he says, Oh, that you would hide me in the grave that you would conceal me until your wrath be passed, that you would appoint to me a set time and remember me. In Psalm 31, David is lamenting as the shadow of death seems to be casting over him in the midst of all of his trials and difficulties, and he already is beginning to feel the forgetfulness of the grave, and so he cries out and says, I have been forgotten like one who is dead. i become like a broken vessel. And we will be forgotten. Is there anyone here who can rise up and speak of the great and mysterious inner thoughts and the hidden grandeur of the personalities of your great-grandparents? Tell us what they were like, their nuances, the unique spark in their eye, what drove them and motivated them. One of my great-grandparents was a man by the name of David Noop. He was a school janitor He suffered a stroke on the steps of the school one day and wasn't able to work again. And because of his stroke, a year later he died. I know more about him than I do any of my other great-grandfathers, the other three. And that's all I know about him. That's the extent of my knowledge about him. Very quickly, very soon, we are swept away into the forgetfulness of the ages. I oftentimes wish that I could introduce individuals to my grandmother, my Italian Sicilian grandmother. You would have loved her. I spoke even as I was speaking of the disciples watching as the Lord Jesus ate that morsel of of fish. Immediately came to mind my grandmother who loved to cook and how she watched us as we ate. I imagine they looked at the Lord Jesus as he was eating the way my grandmother watched us as we ate food. You would come home from a long day. One time I was staying with her. I told her, Grandma, I'm not going to be home until 11 o'clock at night. I came home around 11 o'clock at night and it was quiet and all of a sudden the click of a light went on in her room and then she stood in the hallway and she said, Dear, I put a plate of food for you on the table and it's there for you to eat. Now, I'd already eaten but she made me eat it anyhow. And so I sat down to eat the meal and The whole time I was eating, she stood in that light watching me eat the food. I looked up and her mouth was chewing with my mouth. And And she was hilarious. She had a sense of humor that made every playwright of any kind of comedy that's ever been broadcast in any stage pale in comparison. I wish you could know my sister Priscilla. She died after she had just was getting ready to graduate with a degree in missions. She wanted to go and tell others about the Lord Jesus. She was hit by a drunk driver. She was the most maternal person I knew, other than my mom, but maybe rivaling it from a young age. If we were sick or not feeling well, she would be the one that would come and give you encouragement. I wish you could know my dad. I wish people, you've been robbed from not knowing my dad. His wisdom, his character, his congeniality. Everyone thought he was their best friend. The world has been shortchanged because it's sweeping away their memories. I am being shortchanged day by day because my memories become bleaker and bleaker and bleaker and I forget more and more about them. Listen, if there is not a God in heaven... And if there is no resurrection, this is your only destiny. It's to be forgotten. And you know that's not a comfort. No one stands over the grave of a loved one who's just passed away and would find any comfort in someone coming to them and saying, listen, don't fret about this because in a very short while, their names will be completely forgotten and if mentioned, it will provoke no response whatsoever in anyone. Comforting? If someone could tell you And try to comfort you by telling you that if it were possible they could give you some pill. And if you took that pill within a short while you'd completely forget that individual. Would you take it? Never. It's your last comfort to be remembering them and to remember. And we want to remember. And we want to be remembered. But I'm telling you, and this is the sad part, it's a desire that the future world will not give to you. You will be forgotten. The second thing I want you to see is that this desire is more than a wish. It is an innate longing. It's a longing that rises up from deep within you, and it is a longing fixed in the desire for eternity. When Job cries out that in the grave, God would appoint a time when God would come back and remember him, what Job is asking for is that God would bring him back into life. The desire to be remembered by God is the desire to be retrieved by God in his memory and be brought back into life. And the reason why the idea of being forgotten is so stark and so offensive to us is to consider that there's no life beyond the grave means that there's nothing left for us but to be endlessly forgotten. It is the bitter lament of the author of Ecclesiastes. The author of Ecclesiastes looks at the world and in a sense considers it without God, in bringing God into the mix What does life mean if God is not there? And there's no meaning with God in the background and in the foreground and undergirding us. And in chapter 2.16, this is what the author of Ecclesiastes says. For of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. This longing to be remembered, again, is a longing for something more than just a wish that someone will have your name on their lips in some future day, that some person might know something of your stories, that someone might chronicle the account of your life and someone might be able to pick it up and read it. It's a desire that the meaning of your life should endure. I don't recommend, again, that you look at your own death, but if you'll come to it, And consider it without a belief in God, without a hope in eternity. All that you may know that lies ahead is to be forever forgotten. Your life will end in a blackness that will never go away. You'll have been a brief spark in an ever-expanding sea of nothingness. You'll have come from nothing and you'll pass away into nothing. And your life will have amounted to nothing to be recalled. And you can't look at that as the future of another. For a moment, look up from your own grave and see the unending layer of time bearing you deeper and deeper into meaninglessness, deeper and deeper into forgetfulness. That is where your life is heading if there is no God and if there is not someone to remember you from the grave. That look will rob you of all your joy in life and all of its meaning if you stop there. But don't stop there. The desire to be remembered is strong because it is basic. And every basic desire has a basis in reality. There is life, eternal life beyond the grave. Jesus rose to let us know and to take us there if we trust in him. This is the Bread of Life, a program of the International Missions Ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism. To learn more about our work abroad, go to cpeonline.org. And to learn about our Associated Fellowship in Boise, Idaho, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until our next time together, may God bless you.